0: Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Lord, we come before you now and we lay our hearts bare before you. Lord, as we open your word, we ask you to open our heart, our mind, that we would become sensitive now to you. Lord, would you speak, you know where we're at, you know, you've seen everything that we've ever done, every thought that we've ever had, and so, Lord, we ask that you, knowing where we are, would speak directly to every single one of us now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15... The Apostle Paul is talking about the very reason that we came this morning, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, that's what Easter's all about. It's not about a bunny. It's not about colored eggs. It's all about Jesus. Easter commemorates the most profound, the most powerful, and the most important event in all of human history. The moment in time where Jesus Christ conquered sin, Satan, and death for all that would come to him. And I love this passage here because that victory that Christ offers to us is kind of summed up in a very profound way here in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 54. Listen to what it says as Paul is talking about what's going to happen when he dies. Listen to this. Paul says, when this perishable, meaning this body, this perishable body will have put on imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to what Paul is doing. He's mocking death. Right? Oh death, where's your victory? What do you got on me, death? Oh death, where is your sting? Who does that? That's not the usual human response to thoughts of death, is it? Generally, humanity fears death. We attempt to avoid it at all costs, don't we? Just look at the things that we fill our lives with that'll explain that. Listen, when you got in your car this morning, there was a seatbelt and airbags. Why? To keep you alive. We have smoke detectors in our houses. We pay lifeguards and policemen and firemen and EMTs and doctors to try to keep us alive as long as possible. There's an entire medical field out there trying to keep us alive as long as possible. They're constantly inventing new medications and new technologies in an effort to cure the things that kill us, right? The normal human response is quite concerned with death. But not here. Not the Apostle Paul. He's mocking death. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? Who says such a thing? Well, I'll tell you. It's one who's confident of what happens after this life that doesn't fear death. It's one that knows that Jesus has already conquered that for you. And that's why the very next thing that Paul says is thanks be to God who gives us victory over death through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we kind of skip to the end of the chapter because I think that's a very, very profound statement of Paul. But I want to go back to the beginning of the chapter because there it explains how we gain this victory. So look at 1 Corinthians 15:1, if you would. And it says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, that is the good news, which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Then he says, for I delivered to you as of first importance, the most important thing, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared, don't miss that part, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, although some have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep is a first century euphemism for having died. He's saying Jesus appeared to more than five hundred people that were still alive at the time Paul wrote this, but a couple of them have died. Then he says that he appeared to James. That's the brother of Jesus. And then last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to Paul. Now, Paul says there in verse 3 that this is of first importance. He says the things that are about to follow, the things that I'm about to tell you are the most important thing. Now, I think that's pretty profound. When Scripture tells us the next thing I'm going to say is going to be the most important thing you ever hear. More important than any other knowledge that you've ever accumulated in your life. More than anything else that you know, know this. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So the first thing that it says there is that Christ died For our sins. What that means then, unfortunately, is that there is accountability and judgment for sin, right? The Bible tells us very clearly what we already know, and that is that all of us are sinners. Listen, if you don't know this already, I'm a sinner. You are too, by the way. It says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even the great apostle Paul who's writing scripture called himself the chief of sinners, the worst of them. He said in 1 Timothy 1:15. 1 this is a trustworthy statement and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I'm the worst of them all. The apostle Paul said that. Now, sometimes we try to justify sin and sometimes we try to minimize sin by and I do this too. So it's not just you by looking at other people that we feel might be worse than us. And we think like, you know, yeah, I'm a sinner. All right. But that guy, holy cow, he's like a real big time sinner. (laughs) Here's the bad news, guys. While that might make us feel better for a little bit, that doesn't work before God. Doesn't work before God. Every single one of us will stand before God and give an account for ourselves, it says in Romans chapter fourteen, verse ten: For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, 27, It says it um, it is appointed for man to die once, and then comes the judgment. Acts chapter seventeen says God is now declaring to men, all, um, I'm sorry, to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. If that wasn't bad enough, I'm going to make it worse. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That is, that what our sin brings about is a spiritual death and separation from God. That's what hell is. It's a spiritual death and an eternal separation from God. And so if we sum all of that up, just for fun, we're all sinners, we'll all stand before God at a time of judgment, and that sin brings about a spiritual death and separation from God. Now, I know what you're thinking. We came here for a happy Easter message. What happened to this guy? It's going to get better. It's going to get happy right now, okay? That's because verse 1 and 2 says, this is the gospel by which you are saved. The gospel means good news. Paul is saying, here's the good news. You can be saved from all of it. From the sin, from the judgment, from the condemnation. Because of verse 3, Christ died for our sins. That's what the cross was all about. The fact that you and I deserve judgment for our sin, but our great God and Savior substituted himself in our place for our sin. And he took all of my sin and all of my shame and all of my condemnation and all of my judgment. He took it upon himself as a substitute for me. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. He was just, I am not. The just died for the unjust so that he might bring us to God. And so every one of us will stand before God one day in one of two ways. Either rejecting Jesus and choosing to pay that payment on our own, or accepting Jesus' sacrifice for our sin and standing before him completely forgiven. Listen, guys, Jesus has already paid the price. Jesus has already paid the price for our sins. That's what's meant by he died for our sins. And when we accept Jesus's payment for our sins, our sins are completely and utterly forgiven. Not a little bit, all the way. It says in Psalm 103, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And that's why Jesus can then say and offer, truly, truly, I say to you, that he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but passes out of death into life. That's the good part. I told you it was going to get happier. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. You see, when we belong to Jesus, we don't come under judgment because he's already taken our judgment and he's hung it on the cross. When we come to Jesus, our sins are forgiven. And that separation that is caused by sin between us and God is no more. We start a new life in Christ and we are what the Bible calls Born again at that point. It says in Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. It says in 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am guessing in a group this large, there are people this morning that need a new start with Jesus, that need new life in Him, and that need to be born again. But how do you validate that? How do we know that this is true, these claims of Jesus? I mean, listen, there are so many religious figures out there claiming so many different things. There are so many different competing worldviews. And Jesus himself said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one come to the Father but through him. How do we know that that is true? How can we know that he is the only unique Savior of the world? How can we know that He alone has the ability to defeat death and to give eternal life as He said He does? Well, the answer is verse 4. It says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and He was raised and that's the key. Raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. It's the resurrection, guys. Jesus validated who He is. Jesus validated his claims by the resurrection from the dead. Nobody in all of human history has predicted their own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. And that's why Jesus was able to say in John chapter 10, I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. No one has taken it away from me. But I lay it down on my own initiative. And I have the authority to lay it down. And I have the authority to take it up again. Who can say that? Only Jesus. I have the authority to lay down my life and I have the authority to take it up again. I can lay mine down. I have a little bit of trouble with the taking up again. Jesus said, I'm sorry, uh, Acts chapter 17 verse 31, the Lord said there that he has furnished proof to all men by raising Christ from the dead. See, Jesus told everybody. He told his disciples. He told his critics. He told the Pharisees. He told everybody that he would be arrested, that he would be crucified, that he would be buried, but then he would rise again. Even to those that were rejecting him at the time that he walked the earth. And there were a lot of people rejecting him. Even to those that were rejecting all of the evidence And guys, there was a lot of evidence. He'd been going around doing all of these miracles, and even his critics could not deny the miracles. Those that had seen all of the miracles, all of the prophecies that he fulfilled, hundreds, over 320 prophecies fulfilled in Jesus first coming. That's why in our scriptures here it says over and over, according to the scriptures, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You know why? Because God is telling us that long before this happened, God had it written down and then Jesus came and fulfilled it so that people could recognize who the Savior was. But here's the mercy of God that even when people rejected all of the evidence, all of the prophecy, and all of the miracles, you know what Jesus said to them? He says, I'm giving you no more signs except one, the resurrection. This will be a sign to everybody because nobody else can pull this off. And he told everybody, I'll be arrested, I'll be crucified, I'll be buried in a tomb, And then I'll see you guys in three days. And the great apostle Paul here writing to this church in Corinth is saying, guys, if you don't believe that, go to Jerusalem, because there's over 500 people there that have seen and can testify to the risen Lord. He's writing this during the lifespan of people that had seen the risen Lord, crucified and risen. No one had ever done that but Jesus And this is important for us now. He did it to show that He alone has the ability to defeat death. And we need that, don't we? He did it to show that He is the only unique Savior of the world. He did it to show that He alone has the ability to offer us life. He says in John chapter 6 verse 40, For this is the will of my Father. That everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. That's the words of Jesus right there to us this morning. Everybody that believes in him, he himself will raise up on the last day. And that's why he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. So that being true, what do we then do? Well, it kind of depends on where we're at, doesn't it? Because we're all in a different place. For those of you who've already come to the Lord and you are now living for Him, we worship. That's what we do. We worship a risen Lord who has saved our soul, who we will spend all eternity with. So as soon as I'm done here yammering on, we're going to worship. Because Jesus is worthy of that worship. These guys, that's why they're still sitting up here holding on to guitars. We're not done yet. That's why we got this choir still sitting here. We're going to worship a risen Lord. For those, though, that have walked away from the Lord, it's time to come back. I'm well aware that in a crowd this large that there are those that can look back on their life and say, I once was so much closer to Jesus. I've clearly walked away from Him and I need to come back. I need to be forgiven. I need to start afresh. I need to begin again to walk with Jesus like I once did. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand, to take a bold stand. We're going to pray together. There may also be some here that have never come to Jesus. And you have no clue what's going to happen on your last day. You have no confidence that you're able to say, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? But you're going to choose today to do that. There's some this morning that need to make that choice for Jesus. Let me tell you what that entails. It entails just coming to him, saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for having to try and do it on my own. Having tried to walk on my own. I need your strength. I need your power. I want to walk with you. I want to be forgiven. I want to stand before the Lord, forgiven on my last day. I want to be able to stay to say with the rest of the church. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You got nothing on me. And so I'm going to ask you guys to stand in just a second too, but I want to read something to you. It's Psalm 86, 5, and it says this. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. It's kind of a bold move, I know that. But here's why I ask people to stand. I'm going to explain it ahead of time so that you know. The Bible is very clear in Matthew chapter 10, it says this. Therefore, anyone who confesses me, Jesus speaking. Jesus says that if anyone will confess me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven on judgment day. And anyone who denies me before men, I will deny before my Father. And that's why we do this publicly. So I want to ask you this morning, if you want to surrender your life to Christ for the first time, to go ahead and take a stand now. Stand up right where you are. And if you've come this morning and you need to come back to Jesus, you know you've walked away from him. I know it's a bold move, but stand up right where you are right now. Right on. Amen. Amen. I bless you, God. Amen. 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 Is there anybody else that wants to take a stand for Jesus this morning? You know you're not where you need to be. And it's time to be forgiven. It's time to leave here filled with His Spirit. Is there anybody else? Amen. Right on. Praise the Lord. Come now if you're going to come. Amen. Amen. I want to lead you guys in a prayer. And then I'm going to pray over you. Dear Lord, we come before you now and we're sorry. Lord, we repent for any time that we have taken things into our own hands. We recognize that we've walked a life separate from you. We need your forgiveness. Lord, we pray that right now you would take our shame and our sin and our condemnation and our judgment and that weight off of our shoulders set us free now, that we would be new life in Christ, that we would be born again. Lord, we surrender our life to You. We choose from this moment on to follow You. We ask for Your guidance and Your leading and Your directing. Lord, I pray for these that are standing now that You fill them with Your Holy Spirit, that from this moment forward, this would be the most lukewarm they'd ever been. Lord, I thank you for those that you're saving. I thank you for those that you're renewing. Lord, I pray for all of us here that you would capture our heart like never before. And as we leave this place, we would leave in the peace of knowing that death has nothing on us because we are worshiping the risen Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, as we begin to worship, you guys have freedom. You can stand if you want to. You can even come up here and kneel down in the grass if you want to. You can lift your hands. Not a lot of room for dancing, but you can give it a try. Let's worship the Lord for all he is worth. Amen? Amen. Amen.